All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I'm going to share with you my Wednesday wisdom by answering a bunch of your listener questions about Falcons free agent and draft plans, as well as answering a listener question about what would the Falcons be at if they had drafted Aaron Donald instead of Jake Matthews in the 2014 NFL draft. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, writing weekly content for the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons, I want to thank everybody who is making it their first listen of the day. And of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So today is a mailbag episode. We can sort of, uh, as we've wrapped up the year-end positional reviews yesterday, talking about the special teams, you know, now we are officially in the offseason uh, and, and turning our attention to offseason moves. And so we got a bunch of listener questions about the Falcons offseason, including, you know, whether or not they may draft a linebacker in round one, whether or not they may trade Deion Jones for a veteran linebacker, some free agent options, some cheap guys, some, you know, guys that are at the top of my wish list in free agency, whether or not they could sign a veteran quarterback like Marcus Mariota. So we'll get to all those questions on today's episode, but we'll start things off by answering a listener question from Champ Beyond um, on Twitter. He asked, how does pass? How does us passing on Aaron Donald for Jake Matthews impact our franchise as a whole? And so I don't think it has a dramatic impact on the franchise, uh, probably in the way that you think. It, it probably means uh, essentially that we spend the last eight years complaining about our offensive line instead of complaining about our lack of a pass rush. Um, so like, let's imagine we go back to that 2014 draft where the Falcons use their top pick on Jake Matthews and then their second-round pick on a D-tackle and Rashid Hague. I mean, let's say we flip it. Let's say they use their top pick on a D-tackle and Aaron Donald uh, and then want to use their second-round pick on an offensive tackle. Um, and, you know, when you look at the two offensive tackles next off the board uh, in that second round after the Falcons took Hageman, it was Cyrus Quandro and Jack Muhort. And Muhort happened to play on that North Senior Bowl squad that Aaron Donald uh, Rashid Hageman and Desmond Southward all played on. So clearly the Falcons were mining the senior bowl, senior bowl for some talent there. But uh, essentially Jack Muhort is not a long-term left guard, right? And we saw Sam Baker get in, or he's not a long-term left tackle like Jake Matthews is. We saw Sam Baker get hurt that summer and Jake Matthews immediately moved to left tackle. Uh, Lamar Holmes stepped in at right tackle. He got hurt. And then Ryan Schrader stepped in at right tackle and the rest was history. And we had two booking offensive tackles for like the next four years. Um, but if you're having Muhort and you're plugging him at right tackle, I don't think you're plugging him at left tackle when Baker goes down. So you're plugging Holmes at left tackle. Then let's say he gets hurt again, and then you're plugging Ryan Schrader as his replacement. And I don't think Ryan Schrader is going to have the success 
playing left tackle like he, we saw him have at right tackle. And so all of a sudden, you're probably not asking him to start for you in 2015 like we wound up having him. And then you're looking at that 2015 offseason. Maybe you go out there and, and sign a free agent like Jake Long like we did that offseason late that summer. But there wasn't really any big name left tackles that changed teams. So you're probably maybe relying on the draft to solve that left tackle problem, uh, given that Baker and Schrader and Holmes, quote unquote, failed in this scenario the previous year. And when you look at instead of taking a left tackle at or taking Vic Beasley at that eighth overall spot, now maybe you take an offensive tackle. Uh, and the next two offensive tackles off the board were Eric Flowers and Andrews Pete. And Andrews Pete checks the Falcons, you know, athletic boxes that Dan Quinn brought to the table. Um, and so, you know, maybe Pete, you know, works out for you. He's been a serviceable fill-in replacement starting left tackle for the Saints over the years when Teron Armstead's missed time. But, you know, I don't necessarily feel confident that he's going to flourish as a full-time left tackle uh, as he has not necessarily done as a left guard uh, in uh, in New Orleans, but flourished as a left tackle under Chris Morgan's guidance here in Atlanta. And we also know that that old regime under Dimitrov and, and Dan Quinn were very much believing in the guys that they drafted and, you know, dying on those hills. And so they're going to ride or die with Andrews Pete and Jack Muhort as their booking offensive tackles for the next couple of years. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that offensive line over those next couple of years is going to be as good as it was with Jake Matthews and Ryan Schrader. And therefore, I don't think the offense hits the heights that we saw it hit in those years, particularly from 2016 to 2018. Now, maybe you can make the argument that Aaron Donald, because he is a much better uh, sort of foundational piece of the Falcons pass rush uh, in 2014 and, and beyond, uh, is the, you know, the basis of what amounts to be a good pass rush and ultimately a top 10, a legit top 10 defense, because we also know our secondary were good in those years as well with, you know, Trufant and um, uh, Keanu Neal and, and Robert Alford, et cetera. Um, so maybe we actually have a top 10 defense in those years. And, and we finally give Matt Ryan a defense. But again, I think all that really changes over the last eight years is we're doing less complaining about the defense and the pass rush uh, as we have done over the last eight years and doing more complaining about how we can't protect Matt Ryan at all. So, I don't know, you know, maybe you can argue that having a good defense and having a average to below average offense in those time, you know, would have led to greater team success over the last eight years. I don't know if I quite buy that, but, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. So, like, I, I guess it doesn't change a whole lot in my eyes, but uh, maybe it does in your eyes. So that's where we'll leave that question and we'll continue today's episode talking a little bit more about the linebacker position, talking about the potential of drafting the Kobe Dean, the Georgia linebacker at pick eight, and whether or not we should trade Deion Jones for a veteran linebacker from the AFC East. And we'll get into all of that and more free agent and offseason conversation as we continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to let you know that while football season may be over and the offseason is kicking off for football, it doesn't mean that betting season is over. And of course, basketball is in full steam uh, with both pro and college hoops. And you can find the latest odds, totals and player performance props by heading over to betonline.net, the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And it's not just basketball. It's uh, the number one source for hockey 
boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games, as well as Olympic coverage. BetOnline is the best spot for sports scores, podcasts, and news. And of course, you can make those futures bets if you want to still bet on football and bet on next year's Super Bowl winner. You can do that at betonline.net. So sign up at the website today or use your mobile device to sign up at BetOnline, where the game starts. So our next question comes from VCOF2005. He left a YouTube comment on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. Shout out to the YouTubers out there watching. Uh, how do you feel about drafting the Kobe Dean, super smart player that can in the future have a Ray Lewis IQ and inspiration? So I do like Nicobe Dean. Um, I kind of want to see how he measures at the Combine before I jump on the bandwagon for him, particularly at pick number eight. But he does remind me in a lot of ways of Levante David as an undersized linebacker that plays bigger than he is. And that's kind of key when it comes to these undersized linebacker, you know, over the years, you know, Deion Jones being one of these guys that we talk about, you know, these fast athletic linebackers. But if you're if you play like a you know if you're a 225 pound linebacker playing like a 225 pound linebacker, it's going to be tough for you in the NFL. Um, now Dean is listed at six foot 225. Um, I'm key to see what he measures at the combine. You know I've mentioned this on Twitter, but over the last five years we haven't seen a sub 230 pound linebacker taken uh, in the top 25 picks. And there's only been one linebacker that's been taken in round one in that time period uh, that was under six foot tall, and that was Devin Bush, who was the 10th overall pick two years ago by the Steelers, and that didn't quite work out, uh, or it hasn't necessarily worked out for the Steelers so far due to some injuries and whatever. And so Dean is kind of one of these players that I'm referring to when you hear me talk about how, you know, guys that normally would be taken in the back half of round one are now being talked about as potential top 10 picks, and Dean is one of those guys that I'm picturing when I'm when I'm saying those things. Um, now, I think Dean is personally uh, – better prospect than Devin Lloyd, but Devin Lloyd definitely checks the usual size uh, boxes that NFL teams typically covet with the early round line, the early first round linebackers that they typically draft. Um, and so I'm open to the idea of drafting Nakobe Dean at pick number eight, but I want to see where his measurables are three weeks from now uh, before I'm fully committed uh, or ready to fully commit to that idea um, and of course, I also want to see, you know, after that, you know, what happens to Deion Jones and, and Foye Aluakun this offseason before I'm, you know, willing to commit to the idea of Nicobe Dean. But he is certainly a guy that's on the short list of potential options that, you know, despite not being hyped about the pick, I wouldn't be hyped about drafting Nicobe Dean, but I think he would be a solid pick for the Falcons. Um, Luke at the Dirty Bird 1998 asks, what do you think about a player swap between Debo and CJ Mosley? Obviously, both struggled in their new schemes and have big cap hits. Could be a win-win to reconnect them to their old defensive coordinators, meaning Jeff Ulbrich and Dean Pease. So the Jets were certainly a team that I have thought about as a possible trade destination for Deion Jones for the reason I think you're mentioning because of the familiarity with that coaching staff and their linebacker play not being great this past year in New York. So I'm, I'm kind of liking what you're putting down there. 
I think the issue you're going to have to deal with is cap related. All right. If the Falcons acquire uh, CJ Mosley, they would need 16 million in cap space because that's what his base salary is. Um, and they would only gain about 9.3 million in cap space by trading Deion Jones. So they would have to free up an additional 7 million in cap space in order to make that move. So it's not an impossible amount that they could, you know, work around. So it's not to sit here and say that, you know, that amount of cap space uh, is, is, will kill the deal, but, it is one of the things that the Falcons would have to think about before uh, making that move and, and having $7 million in cap space that they're willing to give away. Now, they could get some of that back after they acquire uh, C.J. Mosley by doing a max restructure on his contract and potentially saving around uh, $10 million in cap space this upcoming season. So uh, I don't think it's a crazy idea, uh, Luke, uh, in, in terms of uh, what the Falcons could do. I would assume that if the Falcons made such a trade, uh, they would probably put re-signing Foyer Aluakun on the back burner at that point in time because they just basically would be acquiring a, a, a veteran Mike linebacker that is already expensive and why pay uh, for Foyer Aluakun at that point in time. And then maybe that does make them more open to the idea of drafting someone like N'Kobe Dean at the top of round one. So certainly a, a plausible, interesting scenario that you have concocted there, Luke. Uh, that I, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and pound the table for, but, you know, it's certainly uh, one path that the Falcons could choose to take. Uh, our next question comes from Fourth String at Northern Falcon on Twitter. He asks, are you a drum or flatty guy, cover wings or dip wings in sauce? And then his real question is, what do you think of the affordable all under $5 million, according to Pro Football Focus projections, potential free agent signings in A.J. Green, Rashad Penny, Indomitian Sue, and Ty Compton. I'm assuming you mean Tom Compton. Uh, as for wings, you know, I don't necessarily discriminate when it comes to drums versus flats. But I'll be honest with you, probably since quarantine started, when I've gotten wings, I have slowly started to shift into the flats camp. Uh, so if, if I was ordering a dozen wings, I'd probably want seven flats and, and five drums. So I'm not like fully like all flats or anything like that, but I am shifting towards that. And, you know, I want my wings covered in sauce. I'm not a big dipper. So like in the blue cheese ranch war, like I don't really pick a side on that. Like it depends on what flavor of wing depend, you know, some of those flavors go better with other certain wing flavors in general, you know, ranch is probably the more versatile of the two flavors, but I, I don't really dip my wings all that much. You know, I, I feel like the the sauce that you, you know, have the wings covered in should speak for the wing itself. And if you're adding ranch and blue cheese to the flavor, you know, there's, there's certain flavors that it does enhance it. But, you know, a lot of flavors like, you know, I don't want, if I'm eating lemon pepper, I don't want ranch and, and stuff in that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But to each their own. Uh, as for your free agent suggestions, you know, all of these guys were under PFF's, you know, 5 million projections uh, on basically one year contracts. Although I think they did modify their AJ Green projection to be one year, 7.25 million. Um, but like in terms of AJ Green, like, you know, I think he can give you comparable production to what Russell Gage potentially gives you, but he's more of a true X wide receiver that can make more of those plays down the field. Um, so if you're going to sign him to a one-year contract, you know, it makes sense if, if you're basically in the mindset that, you know, this year is going to be Matt Ryan's last hurrah. You want to give him uh, an X receiver uh, so that you don't necessarily have to reach on one in the draft. 
Although, again, a one-year $7 million contract for A.J. Green is probably going to be a little bit more expensive to you, at least from a cap standpoint in year one, than signing Russell Gage to a multi-year contract based off of his PFF projection, which is four years, $30 million. And his cap hit in year one is probably going to be closer to like $3 million. And then you're also you know, getting a receiver for multiple years as opposed to just renting a guy like A.J. Green for one year. Um, in terms of Rashad Penny, Penny did play very well down the stretch. I, I personally am aware of how well he played down the stretch because uh, his performance in December uh, helped knock me out of my fantasy playoffs in one of the leagues. But the main concern you have with Rashad Penny is his injury history. Uh, he's missed 28 games over the last four years. Um, and so if you're betting on getting the December version of Rashad Penny for a 17-game season, you know, that would be a huge bargain, particularly, I think, at the one-year $2 million projection that uh, PFF is, is putting for him. Um, but given his history, you're probably more likely to only get there for like nine or 10 games. Uh, and so all of a sudden you're, 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 that's maybe not as great a deal as you want, because then it's really about, you know, who are your other options at running back? Uh, because you're only going to get half a season at a penny. And then you factor that with, you know, a lot of that production down the stretch that he had came against some bad defenses. Uh, you know, I saw a video from Samuel Gold who covers the Seahawks for, uh, field goals, I think, or one of those websites that I may link to in the description. He talked about Rashad Penny and his success. And one of the things that he talked about was how well Seattle was blocking and, and the poor defenses that he was being productive against. And he's kind of a buyer's beware type of player, given that injury history and the fact that he, you know, dominated lesser competition and, and may not be a guy that can be a true workhorse. Uh, and so I, I feel a similar way uh, if the Falcons were to sign Penny, uh, if you're signing him, you know, in addition to bringing back Cordero Patterson and drafting a running back, then sure. Like if you're signing him to basically hopefully replace Mike Davis um, as your RB two or three, depending on what the rookie does and what Patterson does this year as a sort of a, a potential, you know, bargain buy, then yeah, Penny makes sense. But if you're draft, if you're signing him and thinking that he's going to solve your running back positions, he can replace Mike Davis, he can replace Cordero Patterson, or he's a better option than drafting a running back and say round three. I don't think that's a, a smart move on your part. You're 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 signing him, uh, hoping that you know he can, you know, he's a he's a uh, at that price tag, he's a relatively low risk. Uh, financially, but he's kind of a high risk in terms of his injury history with a high reward. So that's where you have to kind of balance it with Rashawn Pity. And Dominican Sue's been steadily on the decline for the last three years. If you look at his PFF grades, um, he can certainly give you value in a rotation, but he's not going to be a, a dominant force. And I feel like you can get comparable on-field production from potentially cheaper and, and younger players along the defensive line um, so I, I feel like the time to sign in Dominican Sue was probably like three years ago, not necessarily today. And Tom Compton, since the Falcons have been down the Tom Compton road before back in 2016, which kind of led us eventually to the Ty Sambrello uh, road, which anytime any longtime listeners know that I wasn't a huge fan of that road. Um, you know, I don't know if Tom Compton's a great option. Like if you're letting Jason Spriggs walk as your swing tackle, you could do a lot worse as a swing tackle than Ty Com Tom Compton. Um, but I also think you can do better. Uh, and if you're, you know, signing a 33 year old career backup in Tom Compton is your answer to bringing in someone that is going to push Caleb McGarry for the starting right tackle spot. Again, I feel like you can do better there. So our next question comes from Andy uh, S Gallagher. He asks, 
You said you are not bothered who the Falcons get, but I'll push you for an answer. Who are your top three free agency and draft ones? So again, I don't, I don't have draft ones. You know, I'm not in the draft focused mind at this point. There, but let's talk a little bit more about free agency. Um, I don't necessarily have a top three. The one guy that would be in my top three is James Daniels, the Bears guard. I think, you know, he just checks all the boxes you want. He can play all three interior line spots. He's young. He's only going to be 25 uh, when, you know, I think his birthday is during week two of the season where he turns 25. Um, Ideally, he's going to come in and be your starter at left guard. Um, But, you know, he also has that center versatility so that, you know, say, you know, I guess I do have a draft one. If if Iki Aquano, the NC State uh, offensive lineman falls to you at eight. You can draft him, plug him at left guard, and move Daniels to to center. And you know you you made massive gains on your offensive line all of a sudden. Um, you know, as for the rest of my free agent want list, you know, I want to see the team address the D line and in, in the safety position in free agency. Um, but I don't necessarily have a specific player in mind. It's more just like a list of players that you know if the Falcons can get one or more of the guys off of that list of like 15 guys, uh, then I'd be, you know, pretty content with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm open to any, any one of those guys. And, and for the most part, I want kind of mid tier guys, like particularly up front, like some of the pricier pass rushers, like Von Miller and, and Chandler Jones are older guys. And I just feel like at the point in their careers, it doesn't make a ton of sense for the Falcons or those guys specifically to really sign with the Falcons. And then the other sort of pricier guys like the Harold Landry's and, and Clownies are, you know, buyers beware just because of, you know, they're, they kind of put out similar vibes to Dante Fowler. Uh, I, I think they're better than Dante Fowler, but not so much better that I feel good about paying any one of those guys. They're projected, you know, 15 million plus sort of uh, contracts or whatever the case may be. So go after some cheaper mid-tier guys and hopefully you, you know, you hit, on the next Shaq Barrett or something like that. Uh, and, and that list for me is like guys like Uchina Nuosu, Malik Reed, Jacob Martin, F.A. Obata, Obo, Okoronkwo, Kamoko Ture, and then on the interior, you got Bilal Nichols, Daquan Jones, Foley Fadakasi, B.J. Hill, William Goldston, Harrison Phillips, Sebastian Joseph Day, Josh Tupo, and I'm sure I probably could come up with a couple of other guys to put on that list uh, and basically just pick two or three guys off that list. And I'm, I'm good uh, in terms of the front. And then at safety, you know, I'm, I'm much more keen on the idea of signing Malik Hooker than I was a year ago, like a year ago, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of reclamation projects and it felt like he was a reclamation project. And I feel like Dallas successfully reclaimed him, or at least semi successfully reclaimed him. And now that we know that the style of DMPs, the defense that he wants to play, you know, Malik Hooker seems like a good fit in that style of defense now that we know that rather than just sort of guessing that we were a year ago. So I'm much more open to the idea of signing someone like a Malik Hooker uh, on a relatively cheap deal. Um, but you can put him on the list of other safeties like Anthony Harris and Marcus May as guys that I would definitely be open towards. And there's, again, other guys on that list. Uh, I would love to see the Falcons sign someone like a Marcus Williams or Jesse Bates or a Honey Badger, but I think those guys are going to be out of the Falcons' price range. Um, so I'm not necessarily optimistic um, that they will be. But certainly if, if any one of those guys hits the open market and the Falcons do have the cap space to splurge on another big-time free agent besides James Daniels, um, you know, it would be one of those three safeties. But if if it comes down and push comes to shove, it's signing one of those three guys versus James Daniels. I'm going with James Daniels uh, every single time. 
Um, so we have more questions to answer, including about reclaiming Marcus Mariota, as well as some other questions from the listeners as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug what your second listen should be after you make Locked on Falcons your first listen. Of course, why not check out any of the other local shows here on the Locked on Podcast Network, uh, including the Locked on Braves, Locked on Bulldogs, or Locked on Hawks podcast. And you can find them all available in the same podcast platforms you listen to Locked on Falcons. And you can watch Locked on Braves and Locked on Bulldogs as well on YouTube. So it's a new year and that means everybody uh, had their New Year's resolutions. And now that we're in February, a lot of people have already dropped their New Year's resolutions. I know I'm one of those people that dropped hit my New Year's resolution. But if your New Year's resolution was eating healthier uh, you know, and you dropped it, it was probably because you didn't have Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. And it's tough to eat healthy because it can be boring. You can get stuck eating the same old things. I know when I've been on diet plans, you get tired eating the same old things. But Built Bar makes eating healthier fun because it's not only tastes good, but it's good for you. It's low in sugar, low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein, high in fiber. It comes in a variety of flavors, including coconut brownie chunk, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, and so much more. You can check out all the new limited time flavors and tried and true flavors by heading over to built.com anytime, buying yourself a mix box or a box of the flavor that you find most satisfying. Uh, and when you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So our next question comes from Savion Mixon at L-W-O-S Mixon S. He asks, listening to the QB review from 2021, and I wanted to ask if Marcus Mariota is an option for this QB room. One year, $8.5 million for an experienced backup with Tyus Smith doesn't seem too bad. I promise this is not another reclamation project. Okay, Mark. Uh, Savion, you know, it's not another reclamation project. Wink, wink. Yeah, like it's definitely a reclamation project. Um, there's two main reasons for any team, uh, let alone the Falcons, to sign a veteran backup quarterback, right? Uh, you either want, you know, one, that guy to basically know the scheme and basically be an extra coach in the in the QB room. And typically you want that uh, for a younger quarterback. And we know that Matt Ryan being, I think, after Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Fitzpatrick being the third oldest quarterback in the league currently does not fit that description. Um, and then two, uh, the other reason is that you typically want a reliable fill-in starter in the event that your starter goes down uh, and you're a team that has playoff slash Super Bowl aspirations and you need someone to come in and win games that could affect your playoff seeding and whatnot. And I've, I don't think the Falcons are in that state quite now. And, and and those were the reasons why the Falcons signed Matt Schaub back in 2016. They, they needed Matt Ryan to, to figure out the scheme after his struggles in 2015. So they needed an extra coach in, in the room that knew the scheme. And they also kept Matt Schaub around for the next four years because they thought they were, you know, a playoff team that had Super Bowl aspirations. And they knew Matt Schaub could come in and throw for 460 yards uh, and, and, and nearly beat the Seahawks, um, you know, uh, if need be. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan or uh, Marcus Mariota is not helping Matt Ryan, you know, pick up the scheme in the Arthur Smith scheme because he only spent one year in Arthur Smith's offense, right? And I think he started like six games in, in Arthur Smith's offense. So Matt Ryan's already surpassed Marcus Mariota in terms of familiarity with the scheme. He's not any more familiar 
with the West Coast offense, even if you count the Matt LaFleur year in 2018, as well as the two years he spent in Las Vegas under John Gruden, uh, because that's four years in the West Coast offense, which is two less years that Matt Ryan has spent in the West Coast offense. So you're not getting, you know, value in terms of him helping Matt Ryan, you know, being an extra coach in the room. Um, and so like, again, the Falcons are in playoff position. So again, I'm not really buying the Savion that, you know, Marcus Mariota is not a reclamation project. Now the idea of a reclamation project, and you guys, again, know I'm not a huge fan of it. It's not a terrible idea because the Falcons need to be thinking about the future of the quarterback in mind, regardless of what they wind up adding in terms of their backup quarterback this off season. Um, and, you know, if that means signing a, a, a reclamation project like a Marcus Mariota, then do so. Uh, you need to add a backup quarterback that has the potential to inherit the mantle of Matt Ryan a year or two down the road as a starter. And that either could be a veteran or that could be drafting a player. Now, I ultimately think the Falcons will wind up drafting a player to do that. And again, I know it's not a popular take to have out there, but the Falcons have to start planning for the post Matt Ryan era at quarterback. Um, now the door isn't completely closed on Matt Ryan being uh, a starter beyond this season, as I've mentioned several times on the podcast, but we can't operate under this, you know, false pretense anymore that he's going to be around forever based off of where he is and where this team is at in its uh, process. And so I know you know, there's a lot of people out there that are going to jump in the comments that are, you know, on one side or the other of the ongoing Matt Ryan Civil War that always love to get in YouTube comments or go on Facebook or go on Twitter or go on Reddit or whatever and spend all day, every day arguing about Matt Ryan. I'm not talking to those knuckleheads, and I'm sorry for saying that. You know, I think you guys are weirdos. I'm sorry, but um, I'm talking to the silent majority of people out there that are Falcon fans that don't feel as compelled every single day to argue about Matt Ryan. You are the people that I've tried to reach on this podcast, even though I know that the comments are going to be full of the other people, but you have to start understanding what I mean when I'm saying this, like we have to start planning for the future guys. And I think most of you that are a part of the silent majority, again, the weirdos and the knuckleheads in the, in the civil war are not the people I'm talking about, but we need to start planning for the future. Right. And so if you want to bring in Marcus Mariota as a reclamation project, then so be it. Like as far as reclamation project goes, he's a pretty decent option. Uh, as for the price tag that you're going to wind up paying for that, I don't feel like that's really in the Falcons wheelhouse to wind up splurging on a backup quarterback, eight and a half million dollars, which would make him one of the highest paid backup quarterbacks in the league. I feel like that's a, a really big luxury uh, at this point in the Falcons cap situation. Now, if you could get Marcus Mariota for like, $2 million, and that would be a potentially great signing because you're getting a really good bargain for him at that point in time. But spending that type of money, you know, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And again, that's part of the reason why I think the Falcons will ultimately draft a quarterback because you're going to get better bang for your buck uh, with a rookie, you know, is going to be making basically the same amount of money that you would have to go out there and pay someone like a CJ Beathard or a Josh Rosen. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, you'll get a rookie that is going to be better than those types of quarterbacks. So that's part of the reason why I think the Falcons will ultimately draft a quarterback. So we got two more questions. One from Andy S. Gallagher. Again, he's asked, what's your favorite song, movie, and TV show? Not trying to guess a password. Don't worry. Well, Andy, I, I think I answered your question about my favorite song on last week's episode, basically saying I don't really have a favorite song because 
Um, you know, and I also think I mentioned that I don't necessarily have a favorite movie because I don't try to engage that part of my brain uh, because I don't have that much energy to ranking things. And I think part of that is due to the, my tendency to overthink things. And so it's not something I can just do lightly. Um, but in general, when I think about uh, movies that in the past where I was trying to actively think about my uh, favorite movie when, when I was in my 20s, it was movies like Forrest Gump. Uh, Full Metal Jacket, City of God, Coming to America that typically were in in my mind as my favorite movies. Um, in terms of my favorite TV show, you know, my, my favorite TV show was Game of Thrones until it you know, crashed into the side of a mountain. Um, prior to that, Community was probably my favorite show. I have no idea what my favorite show is now because it just it, I have not felt that attached to any TV show in the last couple of years since, you know, Game of Thrones became a, a, a flaming wreck on, on the side of, uh, you know, um, whatever the tie, tallest mountain is in Westeros. Um, but I, you know, I think like there are shows that I like that I look forward to. Oh, I can't wait for the next season. But it, none of those shows are like, oh, I love this show and it's my favorite show. So I have no idea what my current favorite show is at this point in time. Um, our last question comes from Nacho F at Nacho ATL on Twitter. He asks, are you surprised that Dimitrov did not get any interviews this year? Not really. Um, you know, there are only two retread general managers in the NFL currently, and that's Trent Baalke with Jacksonville. And if you paid any attention to this coaching cycle, you knew that nobody wanted to work with, with Trent Baalke. Uh, and Martin Mayhew is the general manager of Washington. And essentially he's, you know, Ron Rivera's lackey there and, and lackey may be a, a too strong a word. Uh, you know, but basically him and Marty Herney work side by side to basically um, run the personnel side because Ron Rivera is calling the shots and, and they are amenable to Ron Rivera's wishes. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the trend has been similar to what we've seen with the trend with coaches where NFL teams typically want younger, you know, offensive minded, innovative, you know, coaches. Uh, and I think they kind of want similar things with their general managers, which is younger guys that may be a little bit more analytics driven uh, than necessarily retreads like Thomas Dimitrov. So it'll be hard pressed for him to get a job in the, in the coming years. Now, he could all obviously settle uh, for, you know, a high ranking executive job, as many ex uh, general managers wind up doing. Um, but from what I've heard, and again, I I think I saw a tweet or something like that. So uh, don't, don't quote me on this, but I thought I saw somewhere where he basically said he only wants to be a general manager or else he'll do something else like go to television or something like that. Uh, so, you know, good luck to him with that. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's likely in the cards that he'll get that opportunity anytime soon. If these uh, current trends continue for the next couple of years, but you never know, you know, if Dan Quinn gets hired again and, and gets an opportunity to, to handpick his general manager. Maybe he'll, he'll give a TD a call and then they'll get that working relationship again uh, and be Atlanta North or Atlanta East or Atlanta West or wherever they wind up going uh, in the future. So who knows at this point in time, but uh, it, it's not a surprise to me that Dimitrov didn't get tapped because it just doesn't seem like NFL teams are, are that interested in retrade general managers uh, in general nowadays. So uh, that will do it guys for today's uh, Wednesday wisdom. Um, don't know what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. 
right? I'm just kind of making it up as we go, as we get through February and, and build towards the combine and build towards free agency. So maybe we can talk about Dave Brock leaving and what that does to impact uh, Russell Gage's potential future here in Atlanta as a free agent, since he was credited with, um, you know, being the guy that, you know, had the vision to develop Russell Gage as a wide receiver and, and trade Muhammad Sanu and all these various things. So we'll see about that. Maybe that'll be a topic of, of conversation. Uh, obviously we'll have more opportunities to answer uh, your questions on today's episode. So you can do so by leaving a comment here on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. You can send an email to lockdownfalcons at mail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Locked on Falcons, guys. And that will do it for us here on Locked on Falcons. But as always, I have recommendations for what you should listen to or watch after you're done checking out Locked on Falcons, your first listen of the day. And of course, I'm always going to plug the Locked on Bench podcast. You know, again, football betting season is over, but that doesn't mean basketball and hockey and all these other betting seasons aren't over. And of course, Lee Sterling, the handicapping expert on Locked on Bets, has you covered with his daily picks, his blowout specials, and his lock of the day. So check out Locked on Bets on your preferred podcast platform. So guys, that's going to do it for us here on Locked on Falcons. Appreciate it. Till then.